Uh, that'll be uh, five podcasts. Would you take two? Uh, how about three and a half? It's manners. To Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello. How are dear. you? I'm doing all right. Okay. Because you're pregnant. I can talk uh, about it now because we, talk public, about it we now. publicly announced it. And you know what happens when you're pregnant? You feel like crap? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you got a cold and then I got a cold. Yeah. Oh, boy. We're trying hard to keep BB from getting that cold. Yeah. We just keep her locked away in her room. <laughs> <laughs> we put her in a plexiglass cube. No. No. She's fine. She's got a solid immune system, that Yeah, kid. she's pretty good. She's only gotten sick like five times in three years. Not well, bad. that we've really known about. Yeah, we don't pay a lot of attention to her. You're right. Is that it's what you meant? Not... No. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's get on top. Hey, let's get on topic. Okay. This feels like a good summary topic and maybe even a little like fall yes, autumn topic. Indeed. Autumnal. Uh, have you ever been to like a flea market flea market? Like an yeah. honest to goodness? No. Remember we went to the Rose Bowl flea yeah, market. Yeah, 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 yeah. When we lived in LA. That's a honest to goodness flea market. That's so funny. I wasn't even thinking about that. Growing up in West Virginia, we had a lot. Um, so I, I think any state that touches another state calls themselves the tri-state or whatever. <laughs> touches another two states, I should say. But we lived in very close proximity to like a fairly big town in Kentucky and an okay sized town in Ohio. We were it was uh Huntington, Ironton, Ohio, and Ashland, Kentucky. And so like you could jump across the river. It was like a ten minute drive and you were in these other cities. So like there were flea markets all over the place in that area. Mm-hmm. Um and so like I can remember once very distinctly needing cowboy boots for something. I think maybe it was like for like a, a play I was in or something when I was and like a teenager. And then you never took them off. And I never took them off. But needing cowboy boots and my mom and I like going to flea markets first hmm. before like going to stores or whatever to find cowboy boots. I've spent some time. I enjoy flea markets. Good place to find pocket knives. Oh, really? Which is a thing I like. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So anyways. So I'm tracking, trying to remember. Did we buy anything at the Rose Bowl? I'm sure we did. Yeah, for sure. I don't remember. I don't think we bought anything major. Oh, I think I, I, I recall I was looking for a wide brimmed hat and I didn't find the kind I wanted. I think I bought a vintage jacket, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Military style jacket. Yes, I believe so. Um, so we're talking about uh, hamburger. No, we're talking about flea markets. <laughs> um, so I am interested for the first time ever in the history. So please tell me a little bit about the history of flea markets. Okay. Well, can so- I guess how far they go back? Because I'm going to bet you're going to reference like a bazaar, right? A B-A-Z-A-A-R? No. Okay. I mean, marketplaces have yes. been like an idea forever. Yes. But I want to, you know, the term flea market was not attached to anything. It wasn't It wasn't a term until, do you want me to tell you the year? Uh, I'm going to guess. 1946. No. Way a- back. Uh, further back. 1815. Closer, but middle of that. Okay, just tell me. 
1860s. Okay. In Paris. That's way earlier than I thought it would be. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, in Paris? Yeah. They used the term flea market in Paris? Well, it wasn't... It was probably like flea market. It wasn't called a flea <laughs> okay. market. You didn't even read. You just looked blank. You just had a blank look on your... Okay. It wasn't called flea market. Because they speak French. Well, yes. But like the the idea, the concept of flea market? Yes. So um, it's... The term was first used in an 1860s article referring to the Marsh Opus. Okay. Uh, which literally translates to a market where one acquires fleas. Okay. That's how it started. So it's fairly literal in the naming, right? I mean, sure, but like 1860s parasites were everywhere so it probably was literal at that probably time. especially since it was an open outdoor market with old furniture that people were trying to offload so it probably did have fleas old in furniture it. old clothes yeah. old stuff it probably wasn't like it probably wasn't a like side eye like oh yeah if you want to get fleas it was probably like okay but yeah you will get <laughs> but like hey heads up it's a great couch it probably has fleas i mean Everybody probably had fleas. Okay. Um, and not necessarily old is what I mean, but not like at this point, it wasn't like super new handmade goods. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, manufactured goods that people were selling. Okay. Or. Or. <laughs> um, in the time of Napoleon III, uh, he had the imperial architect make plans to remap all of the city of Paris. Um, so in demolishing alleys and slums and creating these great big paved boulevards, um, it caused so many of these like merchants who would set up on the street instead of within buildings to, uh, you know, flee, F-L-E-E, from their original shops. Uh-huh. So what would happen was these displaced vendors would set up outside of the front gate of the f- of a former fort in northern Paris and they started selling their wares at the flea f l e e market. Mhm. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, that makes as much sense to me as anything else. The consensus is probably Paris. 1860s whether it has to do with parasites or um or gentrification yeah. i don't know man that seems like a lot of work re like re when you said remapping my first thought was like demolishing i was like no that's too much and then i thought yeah. probably just like redrawing the map it's like no no no, no. Just the idea of being like, this city, I don't care about how it's laid out. <laughs> Destroy Paris and rebuild. I oh, mean, Boise. when you're an emperor, you kind of. I guess that's true. Someday I'll find out what that's like. Oh, will you? If my plan goes according to plan. Okay. So nowadays, flea markets are typically facilities that'll rent space to people and they offer secondhand or discount items, mm-hmm. right? I, I've seen them in like. I've seen them called many different things, right? There's a place here in Cincinnati. It's called, I think, the Great Antique Mall. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, very high-end stuff. But it is, here is a stall. And it's in a, you know, nice, fully enclosed, you know, temperature-controlled building. Mm-hmm. But it is, here is a stall that 
different people rent the stall to sell their antiques in that stall right and you have to pay to rent like which is exactly what i think of when i think of a flea market right, right. like but i've also been to places that look like converted barns mm-hmm. with stalls where they just like throw open big doors and that's how they get ventilation and air and you know it's a little dingy well we and- went through one in nashville no where were we mm, wh- wh- no oh it's charleston okay um, remember where it was basically like they were kind of like gazebos mm-hmm. in the middle of the street. Yes. And they had the walls were just packed with people mm-hmm. selling things. A lot of those were handmade goods, though. Yes. I mean, we listen, folks, we love this kind of thing. We went to a giant one. And now I'm trying to remember where, where, where it was. I think in Dublin, uh, we went to one, or maybe it was London. We went to, like, a huge one that had, like, food and a bunch of vintage clothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And anytime mm-hmm. we're in New York and we see any kind of, like, fair. But that's the thing, right? Is I think it has become, like, does it mean a place where people set up stalls under tents and it's, like, kind of a pop-up fair almost? Or, you know, a street fair, street market, flea market. I feel like they've become a little bit interchangeable. They have. There are a few distinctions. So in order to be like a bona fide uh, antique market, most of the things that they're going to be selling are over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, as opposed to a swap meet, maybe, where a lot of the u- the goods are used and they are less than 100 years old. Okay. Um, and then there's vintage markets, which are usually catered towards clothing and housewares. Um, and then there are kind of like, there are themed markets in the way of, I think what you're thinking of as street fairs, like, um, you guys have in West Virginia, the pumpkin festival. Yeah, we have the pumpkin I'm talking more about like when you're walking around and someone's set up and they're selling like, here's a thing of scars and this table has a bunch of handmade soap and, but they've just like set up tents in like a basketball court and, you know, or like they've closed off the ends of the street and set up like food and tents and that kind of thing. Well, I, I don't know if that would count as a flea market. I feel like a flea market needs to have an established location, mm-hmm. whether it's indoor or outdoor. It can't just be a street. Gotcha. All right. So one of the other things that distinguishes flea markets from other sort of like merchant tents is a lot of flea markets have a dedicated staff okay so the vendors don't have to staff their booths um everything is labeled appropriately and usually at those places there's not a lot of haggling if you're not there if the vendor isn't there you have to take the price tag for price value because the employees of the flea market um, rental space are not gonna care. They mm. don't. They don't care about uh, getting you a good deal or whatever. Uh, they are just there to do their job. Um, but if you find that you are there with a vendor, um, haggling is part of the deal. Yeah. And I would love to talk about that a little bit. Well, um, I'm glad because we got a lot of questions about it. It was kind of like the number one question we got. And so let's talk about it. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? Let's go. Man, 
Manners is brought to you in part this week by Native Deodorant. Native has fewer, simpler ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced around the world and made in the USA. They've got great scents, something for everybody, my favorites at the moment. I really like the coconut and vanilla. Mm. And then they had uh, some floral scents for summer. I really like. There's like a lavender. Mm, It's nice. See, I like the cucumber and mint. You're not a fan of cucumber in general. That's fine. I like it. Um, uh, you can save up to $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or even four months. Um, I love that fragrance. I also, here's the thing. I don't mind being sweaty. Yeah. It's a deodorant, it's not a, an antiperspirant. Exactly. It's a deodorant, not an antiperspirant. I smell great. But I feel like my body's still doing what my body does. Mm, that's fair. I really like that. So what's the deal? What can they the, do? What can the our deal, do? The listener deal is for 20% off of your first purchase, you can visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code SCHMANNERS during checkout. Simple as that. Uh, we're also sponsored in part this week by RoomKey. Let me tell you, folks. In the month, uh, basically from July 12th to August 12th, I slept in my own bed (laughs) about four nights. The rest of the time I was in hotels. I was traveling. I did numerous conventions and live shows and everything. And here's the thing. I know, trust me, from personal experience, that getting hotel rooms, searching for hotel rooms can be so stressful. The biggest worry for me is what if there's a better option somewhere else? What if there's a better deal somewhere else? What if there's a better room for less? Yes, this is what I'm saying. RoomKey is a hotel search site dedicated to transparency in travel. No misleading information, no tricks hiding the fine print. RoomKey has tools that make hotel search easy and gimmick free. And when you're ready to book, RoomKey takes you to the hotel's website to book direct, which is the best way to secure your room, rate, and loyalty points without worry of lost reservations. Hotel search without the gimmicks, hotel booking without the runaround, that's how RoomKey makes travel work for you. So head to RoomKey, that's R-O-O-M-K-E-Y dot com slash schmanners to book your next trip. That's RoomKey.com slash schmanners. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And and I I was two. Butts, 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 butts. Hi, I am Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cashin. Together, we host a podcast called... The Jackie and Lori Show. Uh, We're both stand-up comics. 
We recently met each other because women weren't allowed to work together on, on the road or in gigs for a long, long time. And so our friendship has been unfolding on this podcast for a couple of years. Jackie constantly works the road. I write for Conan and then I work the road in between. We do a lot of stand-up comedy. And so we celebrate stand-up and yes. we also bitch about it. We keep it to an hour. We don't have any guests. We somehow find enough to talk about every single week. So find us. You can subscribe to The Jackie and Lori Show at MaximumFun.com org or wherever you get your podcasts okay bye okay so we got some great questions first one right out the gate and i would say this is like the number one question we got asked this is from Wolfthorn. what is the etiquette of haggling or attempting to get a certain item cheaper perfect so here we go number one thing is to be polite ask them about the object you're interested in make some small talk say hello all of that stuff I mean try and I don't want to say warm the person up but be a nice person listen (laughs) flies honey let's go that's how it works can I give can I give another piece of advice too sure um don't don't default to haggling right because that's sometimes someone tells me the price of something and it's the price I had in my head and I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? So that okay, way, yeah. if there's another item that I want, and they say, and that one's like 20 bucks, and I was thinking more like 12, then like I'm not just like, okay, let's haggle for the sake of, ha- and now I can say like, oh, mm, and like I've established that I will pay what I think is fair. Another way that you can tell if a vendor is prepared to haggle or lower their price is if the price is marked on the item. Mm-hmm. If there's no price marked, like I have been to a vintage market where someone just brings a suitcase full of scarves. Usually I can find three or four that I like and I say, would you take $5 for these all these scarves? Yeah. Perfect. And like, bundling is a really great right, way to go. Yes, Three for each. Oh, how about... Eight for four, right? Um, I would also say another good one, uh, just to know if they're ready to haggle, listen to the terminology they use. Mm -hmm. Because if they say, that is $5, versus what would you say to $5? Or how about $5? Or mm, $6, like, you know what I mean? But if they say, that costs $5, it's a pretty good indication they're probably not looking to haggle. Here's some more, like, actual script ideas for Mm -hmm. you to say. Uh, Can you take five dollars for this right or do you have any room on the price just to see right or um is there anything you can do for me on this um i saw different sites of etiquette saying yes say what's the best you can do others saying don't say that i would stay away from it yeah i really like that's too open-ended to me right that yeah i i always feel like saying oh you could do better or what's the best is kind of insulting of saying like you're you're not giving me the best deal i think saying make it once again like we always say like i statements or something like what would you say to six dollars or i i i could do eight yeah something like that um, and, and on along those same lines, if so they say $10, like another thing is counter with the price that is in the same, like if they say $10, don't say, all right, 150 <laughs> like try like eight, right? Or seven. And if you, if they say 10 and you say eight and they say the price is 10, don't keep trying to haggle. Right. right? If you really want it, you need to figure out what it's worth to, to yeah. you. Yeah. 
um, because the counter offer may come and a counter offer may not come. Yep. Um, and then, so another thing that you can do for yourself, right, to make things easier on yourself while you're haggling is have cash in multiple bills. Yes. Uh, that way you can offer $8 instead of 10 Right. So you're not handing the person a 10 and they're giving you back $2 because the price was 10 You know what I mean, right? Yes. And, and okay, so. Oh, is this going into other questions? Yeah, so Perfect. Jill Jill asked, how do I bargain when I hate confrontation? And th- here are two sneaky Travis McElroy tricks, all right? If they have indicated, right, like, oh, if they said, like, how about $10, right? You can then say, like, oh, okay, and just put the item back and say, never mind, right? And then see if they say, like, well, what about eight, right? They might suggest a different price without you having to say anything. The other option is pull out $8 and say, all I have is eight, (laughs) right? Like, listen, Mm. I know it's sneaky. I know. It's called the lie. And it I is think called it would the work. lie. I, I don't doubt that it has in time worked. I wouldn't advocate that if you're not into confrontation, though, because you might be called out on it. But I do think that it makes a better transaction if you do carry smaller bills so that when the person asks for 10 and you say 8... And then you give them a $10 bill, they're not, like, mad at you. Yeah, they're not like, well, now I have to make change. Right. You haggled and I have to make change. I also think, you know, you could also, like, I it's not confrontation. This is the thing, right? It's like, if, if, you, if you are observing body language, if you talk to them, um, not even body language, word choice, you know, this isn't about social cues. Anyone who wants to make a deal and sell a thing is probably is, is going to give you indicate pretty clear indications that they're willing to make a deal. Another good advice, and this just in general, anytime someone sets up a booth, if you are a deal hunter and not something, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this because if you're looking for the cream of the crop selection, get there early. Right. But if you're looking for really great prices, go at the end. Right. When maybe they don't want to haul everything home, and so they might right. be willing to come down a little bit, but, or bundle things together for right. you, or like all that kind of stuff. But never assume that because, like, listen, those vendors are out there working hard, especially the handmade. This is the other thing is when you're talking about like handmade crafts, mm-hmm. these people probably know exactly how much they can sell that for and make money off of it, right? Because they had to buy the materials and the labor to make it. Uh, That's one area where I really wouldn't advise haggling is if somebody is selling something they made by hand. Right. I agree. Um, In the case of like furniture or secondhand goods or things like that. Right. That's where you probably have a lot more kind of leeway to make a deal. Um, let's see. This is from Caroline. Do I need to say anything to or otherwise acknowledge the folks manning a booth if I'm just browsing and not planning to buy? Um, I make it a habit whenever I go into a store or a booth is to say hello to the vendor. And then even if I don't buy anything, say thank you as I leave. This is absolutely true. And it's in fact a habit that she's imparted to me. Uh, especially now when I take like BB into stores and people are very attentive or BB might run around, you know, being a kid 
And it's like, hey, thank you for, you know, talking to me or thank you for your time or whatever. Now I do it too. I don't even say, I just I mean, say I don't thank say you. It. I just as say I'm, thank you. As I'm walking out the door and I think that's plenty. Um, I also, because this happens to me, whether it's like at a convention or in any shop, really, if there's somebody working, I'm always, I like to just look. Mm-hmm. I like, I, on my own, right? I don't like having someone help me, quote unquote, unless I need help. And so I think you can acknowledge them and then like, hi, and then get to looking. Absolutely. And if they say like, do you need any help? You can say like, I'm just browsing, right? Certainly. Um, I don't think you have to like keep up a string of talking with them uh, if you don't want to. Um, let's see. Uh, the mayor of nothing asks, how early should I get to the flea market to get those good deals? Like we were talking about, I think it's the difference between, you know, it's that sliding scale, right? Mm-hmm. Of you might not have the same selection. You might find an amazing bar. Like uh, whenever we watch. Especially uh, one of a kind things. Right. If you're, if, you're, if you're really looking for something specific, I do think that it's important to get there early. Yeah. Um, but if you're just hunting for a good deal on maybe something to put on your wall, then later is probably better for that. This is one of my favorite things about watching Antiques Roadshow. Trust me, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this question. Is like whenever people find out that the thing they bought for like 20 bucks is worth a lot of money, there are two different reactions. And reaction one is like someone who it's been in their family forever. Their dad bought it. And they've just found out it's worth like $20,000 and they lose their, their, I was cursed. They go bonkers, right? But the other person I really like is someone who's very clearly like an antiques dealer who bought the thing thinking it was worth a lot of money, just found out it was worth a lot of money and they just go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I'm saying is if you are that, if you are looking for, a like diamond in the rough like oh my gosh this person has no idea how much this thing is worth and they're selling it for 20 bucks early right you want to get there early because uh not early enough so that you beat the vendors yes where have you guys been (laughs) um let's see uh izzy asks do i have to keep my hands to myself at a flea market or am i allowed to touch things Ooh, uh you know i It's a tough one. If you think that it's fragile, I would go by the one finger rule. Yeah. Uh, and and listen, if you break it, you bought it. Yeah, that's, that's, what, the thing. that's what's up. And and I, for me, if it's something that you want to pick up, or or better yet, need to pick up before you buy, like it's something you want to check out, always say, "May I? May I look? Would it be okay?" And most likely, they'll say, "Like, oh yeah, go for it." Yeah, like if I'm looking at glassware, I want to inspect it for right. chips and cracks and see if it has dishwasher safe on the right. bottom. Yeah, <laughs> things like that. Um, see if it's cursed. See if it's cursed. Yeah. So then it needs. I need to pick it up. Yes, but I think asking or or saying, you know, is it all right if I pick it up? Um, is a good way to go. But for me, man. When I was a kid, my mom would have me like hold my hands behind my back because I fidget and I was a klutz. So I'd keep my hands behind my back. And still to this day, I'm 35 years old. <laughs> if I walk into a place that is at all closed quarters, instantly those hands go up and I'm just you like. You really hmm. do. You try and make yourself smaller. I'm just trying not to like <laughs> Shrek around and knock everything over. Um, this is from Tyler. Uh, what is the etiquette for asking someone to hold an item I want my want to circle back and buy later? Okay, so here's the difference. You 
really have to know and have a relationship with the vendor if you're not going to buy it and have them hold it. Because holding an item that you might want to come back for later is a favor. Right. Because that's the thing. It's basically what you're saying is I might come back and give you money for this. So if someone wants to give you money for it outright, tell them no. Right. Which is the kind of counter purpose to why they are there. If you buy an item that's too large to carry around with you or it's just like a a big place or whatever, you buy it and they hold it for you. That's a service that you'll come back for it at the end of the day with your hand cart or, you know, you'll park your truck closer or whatever it is. Um, I would always recommend buying the item. Yeah. If you want it, you should buy it. And having them, you know, asking them for the service of holding it on, holding on to it. Because holding it without paying for it, uh, you better know that vendor really well. Yeah. Um, And also, though, you should, a little caveat, if you buy something and then ask them to hold on to it, right, stuff can always happen. Stuff can get broken. You know, different people manning the same uh, tent might accidentally sell a thing you have bought. So... It's not something I would do just every time automatically like, okay, and please hold on to it for me so I can keep my hands empty. I would only do it if it's a large item and I would like make sure like watch them put some kind of tag or piece of paper on it or something sure. before you walk away. That's a great idea. Um, this is from Parker. How do I politely ask someone to stop crowding me while I'm looking at something? Um, I think there's a different tactic between maybe a, a vendor or an employee crowding you and then another buyer crowding yeah, I think you. this is probably asking about like buyer on the other side of the table. Um, you know, don't be that don't be that guy. Yeah, hey, uh, <laughs> step number one, don't crowd someone. I, I have found just speaking my own experience of like looking at tables of stuff everywhere I go, um, think of it kind of a little bit like a cafeteria line. Mm-hmm. And it, once you've like examined, you know, two feet of a table, move, move. two feet over. To look at something else and let them step in. Um, but I, you know what? A lot of the times I have found the fastest way uh, to put a stop to that politely is to just look them in the eye and say, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And like, because a lot of the time they are probably just so in their own, like, I'm doing what I want because I want something. Right. That they have forgotten that other people are affected by their actions. Mm-hmm. And if you can just remind them, like, I'm a human being who's standing here, they will like calm down i think excuse me excuse me please uh things like that perfectly perfectly uh workable um if you find that it is uh you know a um excuse me a uh a clerk or a vendor you can say i'm just taking a look around mm-hmm. just looking stuff like and listen that. this is the last thing i'll say uh if if at any point You've, it's not the last thing. No, you'll it's say. not. I mean, I'll say many more things <laughs> in my life. Um, if at any point you feel like a vendor is being too aggressive or being too loud at you, this is a question. Or like just being creepy, creeping right? you out, or just making you uncomfortable. Walk away. It's like walk right away. Like don't worry that you're being rude by walking away no. or whatever. Like if anything feels off at all. Uh, that includes the merchandise. If you yeah. think that the merchandise is sketchy, um, or <laughs> yeah, or illegal, perhaps, <laughs> uh, you can just leave. And just you know leave. what? And, and if you want, 
uh, just to put a, like that, like, okay, thank you, and then walk away. Sure. Right? Like, sure. Boom. Um, so that's going to do it for us. I know there's a little bit of a short episode, uh, but I've got to hit the road because I'm going to a charity event in Bridgeport, West Virginia. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's going to be on Saturday the 24th. I guess if you're listening to it on Saturday, you know what? Whenever you're listening to it, uh, I'm going to be at, actually my dad and I, Clint and I, are going to be in uh, Bridgeport, West Virginia at Four Horsemen Comics and Gaming. Uh, Saturday the 24th at 11 a.m. for a Q&A panel, and then we're doing a signing at 12.30 p.m., and the signing is a $20 donation, which is then going to uh, West Virginia uh, Children's Medical, I believe, or West Virginia Medical Children's, and uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, we've partnered with Extra Life for Kids to, to help out, so you should come to that August 24th, 11 a.m., Bridgeport, West Virginia, at Four Horsemen Comics and Gaming. Um, and I'm also going to be at Dragon Con next weekend. Uh, you can find the details for that at travismacroy.com. Um, and then we're doing live shows there, too, uh, in, in Atlanta and Orlando. Schmanners will not be at the uh, MBMBAM show in Atlanta, but I believe we will be at the Orlando one. Yep. We need to think of a live show for that. So if you have any ideas, <laughs> please let us know. Email us at, at uh, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Um, and pay attention for maybe I don't. We don't usually take questions for that, though. No, but, but speaking of, we know what our next episode is going to be. That's right. Uh, next uh, week is going to be about crowds with Allison Rosen. Um, uh, special guest Allison Rosen is going to come on the show to help us talk about crowds and crowd etiquette. So uh, right after I put this episode up, I'm going to tweet out that question. Uh, the the looking for questions. So make sure to respond to that with your questions about crowds. And you can find us at Schmanners Cast. Um, and let's see. Also, we want to shout out some thank yous. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music. That is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Uh, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the um, fan for the cover banner of the Fan Run Facebook group. Woo, I don't know why that was so hard. Schmanners Fanners, which you should join uh, if you would love to give and get excellent advice. Also, thank you to our research assistant, Alex. She is killing it lately. Loving it. Thank you so much, Alex. And thank you to Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Go listen to all the other amazing fun shows there. And you can join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.